Hi, everybody. This is Kristen Savory of the Thyroid Podcast, where I'm bringing you more information to help you support your thyroid and balance your hormones. I always think that wouldn't it be nice if we feel our best at the very end of the day? So every time that I do one of these podcasts, I like to bring you information and talk to people that can give you at least one golden nugget to bring you closer towards better health. And today I am so excited to present to you one of my friends, one of my colleagues, and just an amazing human being on this planet, Dr. Kathy Fry. She is an OBGYN as well as a master homeopath. And um, sit tight, buckle in. There's going to be lots of information during this podcast on how you can help your thyroid. So, Kathy. Hi, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I'm curious, um, can you share with us a little bit about your history? So, so you're an OBGYN. What led you on that path? And then also, um, once you were on that path, what led you um, in your interest to homeopathics? Very good. So I'll try to do this briefly. Uh, but I was nine, and I was a bookworm had my nose in a book all the time. I would stay up in the middle of the night in my closet reading books about nursing, Cherry Ames, student nurse, mm, Sue Barton, Civil War nurse. And I remember at the age of nine saying to my dad, I'm the oldest of five kids, first one to go to college. And I remember saying to my dad, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a nurse. And whenever I tell people this, the nurses in the audience get upset. So I don't mean this in any way to disparage what nurses do because they do so much more than what my father's perception of what they did. But the thing that stuck in my head at the age of nine is my father said to me, well, which would you rather do? Do brain surgery or change bedpans? And I was like, oh, uh -huh. brain surgery. He goes, well, then don't be a nurse, be a doctor. Uh -huh. well, we had no doctors in our family. I had no basis for this. So well, I just kind you, of were the, you were the first one that was going to college. So this first is like, one to go to college. Yeah. Right. This is a new territory. Right. Right. Uh, so I go to college and I start out as a pre-med major and I hit the, the wall that was organic chemistry and biochemistry, mm -hmm. all this stuff. And the people in the classrooms, most of the people I studied with, they were just like, gosh, they were just like so boring. And there were so many other great things that you could go through the catalog of college and like, oh, I could learn about Mandarin Chinese and I could look, I could take a pottery class. I could take photography. And here I am in a laboratory one day and I had missed an exam or I'd missed a class. And I said to the guy next to me, I said, could I have your notes from the last class? And he said, no. I said, what do you mean? No. He goes, well, I'm trying to get into medical school, aren't you? And I'm like, mm, maybe. He goes, I'm not giving you the notes. What if you got in and I didn't because of this? And I was like, what? Um, so then a friend of mine uh, invited me to come and sit in on a humanities class. And it was mm -hmm. a teacher who was talking about the history of art. And I had a free hour. So I went into the classroom and I sat in the back of the room and he had this four slide carousel presentation of the history of Andy Warhol dating, and he related it to the Greeks, and, the, and I was like, wow. So I would go and I would audit that class the whole time, and I just loved it. I was also taking dance classes at the time. So I changed my major to humanities. And so, I, I mean, I just loved it. I studied art, architecture, philosophy, history of science, music, music theory. It was just what a really good liberal arts education, just what I loved. 
Uh-huh. But then I come into the third year of medical school and I'm, or third year of college and I'm thinking, okay, now what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought, well, I could teach humanities, but I wasn't really like, that didn't really have my calling. So I thought, well, so one night my friend and I, um, she, was, uh, she was studying um, uh, archaeology. Uh-huh. So we're sitting down on one Friday night, we're having beers and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? She goes, well, one of us should go to medical school and one of us should go to law school. I'm like, there's no way I could go to law school. And she goes, well, you've already got a bunch of the science. Why don't you go to medical school? I'm like, all right. So she applies. She gets into in law school like next, that following month, right. whatever it was, seemed like really quickly. And meantime, I had to go back and do all of the prerequisites. So my last three semesters, 21 hours of physics, organic chemistry, calculus, and I kept one humanities class and one dance class just to keep my sanity. However, it was a silver lining because when I graduated from college in 1975, you know, up till that time, medicine had, had uh, recruited mostly scientific people, mostly men. So they were all biology students or chemistry students or so on. And then they decided, well, you know what? We really need to have people with a more humanitarian, you know, broader view. And we need to get some women in. So here I was like, well, here I am. And so I was one of them. Like, I think my class was like 6% women. Or this class before me was 6%. My class was 25%. Anyway, so then I slammed into the, um, the, thir- the wall that was medical school. And they, at that time, I was at the University of Arizona, because I, I lived in Arizona. And they were going to put us through a three-year program. Because in Arizona, they had a doctor shortage back in the late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s. And they were really trying to pump out the doctors. So mm-hmm. they're like, well, we'll just do this in three years. So I get into medical school, and I'm like, I'm a dancing humanities major. It was like, boom, I hit this brick wall. But my saving grace was Dr. Andy Weil was one of my teachers. Really? Yes, he was. He taught a course. um, He had a guest. He had a guest lectureship that he taught in a a course called Human Behavior and Development. It was my favorite class. Everybody else would skip it because they're like, it's not going to be on the test. It's not going to matter. But I never missed Andy's classes because I thought, oh, that was so inspiring because he taught way outside the box. And I thought to myself, once I get out of school, I can do what Andy does, or I can do something right, different. Right. So interesting to me that really pretty much from the get-go, um, that you already kind of had a little bit of an alternative layering, a little bit of alternative thinking moving in there, even though you were in this very traditional umbrella. Yes. In wow. fact, I remember reading books on Chinese medicine and Eastern philosophy even before I went to medical school. Uh-huh. But then you come into this slam into this Western thing, and it was, it was really horrible. The first year of school was so bad that mm-hmm. I lost 25 pounds. I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, frankly, I thought to myself, oh, I either have to quit this or I'm going to quit the planet. It was that painful. Mm-hmm. So instead, um, I dropped back from the three-year program to the four-year program. And in between, I went on to the main campus and took biochemistry, which I'd never had before. And that was the hardest class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I you know, graduated medical school. And then when it came time to choose a specialty, I loved OBGYN because it's like humanities. It's a very broad field. It is. You get the joy of delivering babies, which is to be the first person who gets to touch a human being besides their mother. I mean, they're they're on the inside of their mother's body, but you're the first one that really gets to touch them and hold them. I mean, they're literally right from heaven. I I always felt like I was standing at the doorway of heaven. Oh my goodness. I've got chills. I know. And cause that's, I mean, that's where they come from, right? Nice. They're these little creatures that make this transition from the spirit world 
that they've been growing since they were teeny tiny little cells. And then you get to be there and 99, 95% of the time, it's a really joyful experience. Yeah. And it's not, it's pretty bad. But in OBGYN, you get to deliver babies. So you get some pediatrics. And then we also do surgery. You know, you do gynecology and things like that. You do hysterectomies. And that's really fun because you have all these great little instruments. Most of the operations we did, we do nowadays are done through the belly button with teeny tiny all on a video screen. And it's very fun. And the instruments are very cool. And you have somebody who's in pain, like with endometriosis, for example, and you open them up or you, you know, do a laparoscopic procedure and you can take out and clean things up. And when you're done, it's like, whoo, brand new. Looks really good. (laughs) Bright and shiny. Bright and shiny. But then six months later, they would come back and I'd be like, so how are you doing? They're like, well, I'm not bleeding anymore. I'm like, yeah, because I took your uterus. Um, But you know what, Dr. Fry, I'm fat and I can't lose weight Mm. and I have no sex drive and I am cranky Mm. and crabby. Mm -hmm. And I hear this over and over again and I was like, what? Why? Mm -hmm. There's nothing in the GYN literature that it would explain why this was. Right. So backing up just a little tiny bit, uh, I learn a lot of things from books. You know, if I want to learn something, I put my nose in a book. So my cousin, who is a G1, uh, an oncology nurse in Los Angeles, recommended a book to me by Bernie Siegel called Love, Medicine, and Miracles. I know that book. Isn't that a great book? It's a great book. It's a, and he's a great human being. Bernie is, I've since have met him. And so how, I, how that came about was I looked on the back of the book jacket and it said Bernie was the co-president of the American Holistic Medical Association. And he was co-president with... Um, with Christiane Northrup, who wrote, you know, the definitive work, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, a definitive, you know, gynecology book for, for all of us. Right. And so I was like, wow, what, there is such an organization? So I called Bernie's office up at Yale, because at that time, he was on the faculty of Yale Medical School as a surgical, surgical surgeon, a cancer surgeon. So uh-huh. I call his office, I speak to his secretary, I'm like, what is this? There is such an organization? She goes, yeah. I said, well, where are they? She goes, here. she gave me the number. They're out of Seattle. So I call the people up in Seattle. I'm like, who are you people? And they're like, well, we're medical doctors and DOs who are interested in holistic medicine. And I could feel the kundalini going up my back. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I said, well, do you have meetings? And she said, yeah. I said, when? She said, coming up in three weeks. I said, in February. I said, where? She goes, Seattle. I'm like, who goes to Seattle in February? Certainly not if you live in Scottsdale, Arizona, like I did, right? And she said, well, I said, well, who's going to speak? She said, well, Deepak Chopra will be there. And we have uh, Vision Quest and, we, and Patch Adams will be there. And I was like, okay, sign me up. I cancel, my pra- I cancel my schedule. I go up there. I walk in the room and here's Patch Adams in full clown regalia. Oh, my goodness. And I took a Vision Quest with a shaman. I met Deepak. I met Bernie. I met um, anybody who was any, anybody in the world of alternative medicine, there they were. Mm-hmm. And so I just fell in love with it. Well, the next thing you know, I'm recruited to be on the board. And if you've ever been on a board, you know how that goes. You're on a board for years and years and years. I served on the board, I think, 13 years. And then right. the only way you can ever get off a board usually is to agree to be president. <laughs> so <laughs> I was president of the AHMA for uh, three years because anyway. Uh, and now they have changed the name of the organization. It's now called the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine, and it includes naturopaths, uh, nurses. It's a much big, broader group of people, and the meetings they have are just amazing. Oh, uh, that's cool. It's really cool. So, uh, and it was at that meeting. I, so, 
So I'm going to this meeting. I go to, I go to this AHMA meeting at the Seattle Airport Hilton in February in Seattle. <laughs> Didn't see the sun once. Right. And so while I'm there, I'm learning all kinds of things. So I went back to the meeting the next year and I'm learning, you know, how to work up leaky gut. I'm learning about mm -hmm. nutrition. I'm learning about um, meditation and yoga and mm -hmm shamanic journeys and what do acupuncturists do and what's the difference between Chinese medicine? So I'm getting this education, which I'm soaking it up because that's just the, my nature. I just love that stuff. Um, but then I'm thinking, wait a minute. So I'd come back and I would come back to my practice and somebody come in and they'd say, oh, I'm on this purple pill for heartburn. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What about your, we should work up your leaky gut. And so then I found other laboratories, do different testing. So I sort of gave myself a OJT naturopathic training on the side sort of thing. Right. Um, so I, so the next year, I think it was in 88 or 89. It had to be sooner than that. Maybe 87 or 88. I go to uh, back to the AHMA meeting in Seattle at the same hotel in February. And be, but before I went, I made a prayer and I said to God, okay, God, I'm learning all this great stuff, but I feel like it's a shotgun here and a shotgun there. I'm learning a little bit of this. Mm. Said, Show me a system that I can learn, that I can apply to everyone that is going to be not suppressive, not toxic, and it's going to be healing. And so I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I got to go and learn Chinese medicine. I'm like, oh, another long four years. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Right. So I just made this little prayer. And so, uh, and I was teaching by that time I was taught, I was teaching on, um, bioidentical hormones. So I'm going, I'm getting ready to give my talk and I'm sitting in the back of the room before I give my talk, putting my slides together and they changed the logistics of the room. So this woman comes in and she's from Los Angeles. She's a medical doctor and she's giving a talk on homeopathy. And so she starts talking about how homeopathy works and my little gut goes, Oh, answer to a prayer. This is it. So I came up to her and I said, so do you teach this? She goes, yes. I said, where? She said, Los Angeles. I said, when? She said, three weeks. So I canceled my surgical schedule and I flew to LA one weekend a month, every month for a year. And my son at the time was three. Wow. Um, and then and I studied with her. Were you a single mom doing that too? Yes. I was a single mom doing that too. Wow. My husband at the time was out of the country going to medical school. No, that's not true. He was, that was much earlier. By that time we, were, we, had, we had split, we were divorced. Yeah. So I'm a single mom. Fortunately, I had a nanny from heaven. I had a full-time nanny. And then on the weekends when I would go, you know, my son would be with his dad. Right. So, um, so I did that for the first year. And then the second year I went every other weekend for a whole other year. And that was my first teacher and first exposure to homeopathy. So then you still had your medical practice. I still have my OBGYN practice. By this time, I wasn't delivering babies anymore. I stopped doing that when my son was born. Yeah. But I'm a single mom. I can either be up all night delivering, taking care of other people's babies or home with my own. Right. So, so you're a single mom. You still have your medical practice. But now you have this new tool. Yes. So then I would start taking cases the way that uh, my first teacher taught it. But she taught it in a very medical way. It was mm -hmm. like, okay, what are the remedies for thyroid disease? What are the remedies for colon problems? What are the remedies for this? And so in those days, it was before we had a computer program. Now we have a computer program that has the text of about a thousand books and an index where you can look at all the different symptoms and figure out what the remedy is based on these guiding symptoms. Right. But in those days, I started with the big, thick book, Kent's Repertory and <laughs> Graph Paper. And it would take me 
hours to work through a case, going through every little last one. And thank God for David Kent Workington, now of sacred memory, blessed memory, who he started this uh, Mac repertory. So it's a computer program we can use now that has all the information in one space that you can access. Right. So I just kind of want to highlight this for people, Kathy, because not, not all the po people who listen to my thyroid podcast are very familiar with homeopathy. Right. And I think sometimes that, um, you know, because we're in the Western culture, we approach even alternative medicine with that Western mindset. True. If I have this problem, I do this. Right. This is the remedy for thyroid. This is there's a remedy for thyroid. Just like instead of right. taking thyroid medication, you just take the thyroid remedy. Right. Or I'll have I'll have clients that come to me and they'll say, "Oh, I have a liver problem." So then all of a sudden they're taking ten herbs that are only for their liver instead of in Chinese medicine like homeopathy. They really work throughout the body. And if you're taking something for your liver, you're also taking something for your kidneys, you're also taking something for your blood. You know, it's, it's working the body systemically right. and systematically. Um, so, so because of your Western training, how, how was that reorientation for you? Did it take a little bit of time? Or it what, did, and especially that? since the first way I was taught it, I was taught just like that, you know, out of the book. Oh, well, this diagnosis, these are the remedies for this diagnosis, sort of. I mean, right. she also did, and she was a good teacher in terms of teaching you how to use the repertory and things like that. But we would see a video of her, one of her cases, and then we'd never see a follow-up. And you didn't know, well, did the remedy work or not? Right. And so I would come home to my practice and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take this person's case. So I'd sit down, I'd set time aside, I'd take their case, I'd give them a remedy and it wouldn't work. Uh -huh. and it, would, it was so frustrating because it only worked like 10% of the time. So a very small percentage when you were going with this linear mindset. Exactly. So uh -huh. once again, I made this prayer to God. I'm like, I was so frustrated. I said, okay, God, I thought that you were guiding me to homeopathy. I thought this was the thing. <laughs> you told me. <laughs> what's, or maybe I read the signs wrong, but I thought this was the real deal. So what's the story? And right. I said, and I was this ready, it was this close to just quitting homeopathy altogether. By that time I had finished with that teacher. I'd studied with one other teacher from Canada who was also a really good teacher. And his application, the way he taught it was a little bit better, but maybe I got 20% results. And I thought, you know what? If I could only do a hysterectomy correctly, one mm -hmm. out of 10 times, do you think my hospital would give me surgical privileges? No. Right. So the same standard I applied to my OBGYN practice, I applied that to homeopathy. And so I thought, if I can't be at that level of expertise, then this is a waste of time. So right. I was like, okay, God, you know what? I, literally, I was this close to quitting. And then this woman walked into my, uh, then I got a call from, oh, wait a minute. This one other thing happened before that. Oh, so this teacher from LA, mm -hmm. she said, well, I have a professor coming from Belgium. And this was one of her teachers. His name was Alphonse Gukens. He's now in heaven. But at the time he was head of the largest homeopathic hospital in Belgium. I'm like, homeopathic hospital? What is such a thing? Right. And so she brought him to, to California um, actually, the, the place we had the, the meeting was at a casino, the top floor of a casino in Laughlin, Nevada, because it's right near California, right near Arizona, and it's cheap, right? <clears throat> so Alphonse comes, <clears throat> and Alphonse, is, his first language is Belgian, and his English is not that great. I mean, he's 
anyway, he, that's not his first language, but he had a video and he showed a video of this little girl. I'll never forget her face. She was seven. She had blonde little pigtails like this hanging off her head. Cute. And she had a little dress on and she came in and she was so, so sick. She had a high fever. She had acute appendicitis and Alphonse open, you know, pulls up her little, her mother's there, of course, pulls up her little, um, little dress and he puts one finger and he's going to touch her and she starts to scream. She's like, no, no, no. And so and then he turned to the camera and he says, and the remedy is, and a whole bunch of people, you know, uh, students there, they said what the remedy was. And I was like, what, how? So what he did, so I was thinking, okay, well now I'm going to learn how you use homeopathic remedies on the way to take out someone's appendix. Uh-uh. <laughs> what he did was he gave her a remedy and the remedy is called Bryonia. Uh-huh. So Bryonia is a remedy that the hallmark of this remedy is the slightest little motion will just put them through the roof. So uh-huh. when you have appendicitis, right. this kind of, when you have a Bryonia appendicitis, there's another kind of appendicitis where they can't get comfortable and they're restless. That's different than Bryonia. But Bryonia is like the slightest motion just puts them through the roof. Uh-huh. And so he gave her a 200C of Bryonia and then he re- let the video run the whole time while she was in the room. She fell asleep within about 15 minutes. Uh-huh. She wakes up an hour and a half later and her fever that had been really high, like I think 102, was now down like under 100. And she was wow. thirsty and she had her pain, which was uh, like maybe on a one to a scale of one to 10, was now maybe a seven. So he kept giving her the remedy every hour and then at six o'clock in the evening, he gives the mother a bottle of 200 C of Bryonia and sends this child home. But before that, he did an exam where he pulls up her little shirt again and he could mash all over her belly. She had no pain. Wow. So when they bring her back the next morning, she's still in the same dress with the hair and the pigtails kind of because she'd fallen asleep in the car on the way home. Right. And he brings her in and she's sitting there on the video camera and she's eating breakfast in front of the camera perfectly well. I was like, whoa. And I, I thought, you know what? Homeopathy works. I just need a different teacher. Right, right. So then I got sick myself. I found a master homeopath who happened to come. He taught in Flagstaff, which is two hours north of where I lived. Uh-huh. And when I went to see him for my own health and he gave me a remedy, which was like miraculous, I said, okay. He goes, I have a school. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. And so I studied with him one weekend a month, every month for 15 years. Oh my goodness. 15 years. Cause we saw live cases, right. see live cases. People would come in off the street. My teacher's name was Vega Rosenberg. He now teaches in Cyprus, but he was such a great master homeopath. I mean, he was, he's a genius and we would see live cases and people would come in off the street. Vega didn't know them from Adam's house cat. And he would say, okay. And he'd have a student stand up there and take the case. And then we would work through how, what the remedy was. And I studied with him. It was seven years. So Vega only gives a diploma after you show that you know how to, to take a case, how to properly assess a case. Regardless of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And so and in order to get your diploma, your first diploma, you have to get three cases correctly in one weekend. It took me seven years. Oh my goodness. Because I had this whole Western mindset. I had to kind of like completely redo my thinking. Yeah, you had to like turn your head around on top of your shoulders, huh? Yeah. And, you, and um, you know, I've had an active yoga practice for many, many years and that yeah. helped. And a meditation practice helps too. 
Because homeopathy doesn't work on the physical body. It does, but that's not its main mechanism. Unlike Chinese medicine or Western medicine that work, well, Western medicine works biochemically, Chinese medicine works energetically, and also medically, uh, biochemically if you're giving herbs. Homeopathy works only on the spirit. It only works energetically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so then once I started studying with Vega, then my own ability to take cases just like you know, from going from 10 or 20% of choosing the remedy correctly, I'd say I'm up at 90, 95%. And then wow. because of my meditation <clears throat> and yoga practice, <clears throat> my intuitive ability once I take someone's case, uh, and I also have a spiritual teacher that I study with that I can check the accuracy of my remedies, right. which is really helpful for really complicated cases. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, so that's how I became a homeopath. And I've written a couple of books, you know, because the main reason I wrote the first book, here we go, here's a plug for the first book. <laughs> it's yeah, called Vitality, yeah. How to Get It and Keep It. The oh reason gosh. I wrote this is because I'd have all these women come into me as a gynecologist, and they'd say, oh, I have thyroid problems. I have chronic fatigue. I haven't been well since I had my baby. And I'm like, oh, well, forget the medications I used to prescribe for you. I'm going to take your case. But in order to take their case, I had to explain to them how homeopathy worked. I got so tired of hearing myself just tell the same story over and over again. That's why I wrote the first book. Yeah, yeah. So let me back up just a little bit, Kathy. So, okay, so, so you're studying, you have your OBGYN practice, and you're bringing in the homeopathy. You find mm -hmm. your master teacher. Right. You from 10% to 95%. At what point do you make the switch? You are no longer practicing OBGYN and you are just full on 100% master homeopath. September of 2012 when I moved to Boulder. Uh-huh. So before that, I'd been in Arizona for, mm, let's see, I started my practice there in 1985 and then I moved here to Boulder in 2012 because in 2009, I came to visit my son who'd gone to school at Colorado College and then he moved to Boulder, and I came to visit him, and I had that NIWAT moment that people have. I had it on the, Bol on the Boulder Creek Parkway where I'm like, oh, why don't I live here? And my son <laughs> said, Ema, I'm never moving back to Arizona, you know, and I'm like, well, it's my only kid. And so I decided that moment, I announced to my family, I'm moving to Boulder. And this uh -huh. was in October of 2009. So I went home, remodeled my kitchen, sold my house. Uh -huh. Moved in with my best friend and her husband and because it took a year and a half to find the right person to buy my practice. And I found this wonderful women's nurse health practitioner named Jerry, and she's great. And so she took over my practice. My patients love her. Uh, and so then when I moved to Boulder, I was like, you know what? I don't need to. The beautiful thing about homeopathy is you can do it remotely because mm -hmm. just like you and I are talking, homeopathy is based on how I figure out the remedy you need is based on your story. Yeah. So I don't have to do a physical exam. I don't have to do blood work. Most people have a doctor that if I need their blood work, like when I'm taking care of thyroid clients, right. like I just had one the other day, yesterday. And um, she had, she's been on a, a remedy for her thyroid and her blood work was great. Uh, and then something happened. She went through an airport. Her remedies got x-rayed. So she kind of stopped taking the thyroid. And uh -huh. she started noticing, you know, my hair is thinning a little bit. I'm feeling not quite so... So peppy and I said, well, go and get your thyroid levels checked and see what happened. Her TSH levels, which measures your, is, yeah. when it's elevated, it means your thyroid is low functioning. Her TSH levels doubled in like 10 months. Off. Oh my goodness. Oh so my I said, okay, well, so we just restarted it. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, 
Yeah. So, so now people, so let's say, let's say people are kind of curious by this conversation they want, and they want to work with you. They can still get in touch with you, right? Yeah, You're still, they go on my website and my contact information is there. Uh-huh. And on your website, you also have your two books and, and you've got a lot of videos and all sorts of stuff on there too, don't you? I do. And also I'm just in the process of doing a big, uh, I just did, of, um, we're in the process of getting ready to launch it. It's a video series that I did that goes with my second book. So I wrote the second book primarily because my patients asked me to write it. So when patients are on chronic remedies for chronic problems, what we call a constitutional remedy, in between, if they get sick, they get a cold or a flu or food poisoning, sinus infection, fall off their bike, hit their head, break their leg, mm-hmm. there are remedies that you can use for that will heal, that will, can be used to heal acute problems. So mm-hmm. my patients would call me and they're like, okay, Last time I had this bad cold or when my kid had an earache, you told me to do this. I wrote it on a post-it note. I don't remember where it is. Can you put it all in one place? So I said, okay. So I literally went to the health food store. I took a picture of all the remedies that Boyron has in their big uh, display case. And so this book basically goes through all the remedies that you can get in the health food store and what they're for. Oh, that's great. And is Boron, is, is that the brand that you usually recommend? It's B-O- B-O-I-R-O-N. Boron is the one that sells, um, they're in, available to the public in the health food store. Right. And, and, for, and most of the potencies they carry is just the 30C, which is just mm-hmm. one potency. For chronic people who are having um, long-term issues, you need to go up in the potency. We haven't even talked about how homeopathy works, but Right. You start. You tend to start low, and homeopathic remedies work like um, tuning a tuning fork. Uh huh. So when you're really healthy, your tuning fork should be at like a million cycles a second. Right. But in the course of living, things happen that deplete your prana, your chi, your vital force. We call it. And right, as it right. happens, they produce symptoms, and those symptoms are a sign from your vital force. It's asking for something. Just like in Chinese medicine, when you look at people's pulses and listen to their pulses. You know the vi- the chi is asking for something because it shows you where the blockage is, right? Right, totally. Yeah. So homeopathy is the same way. Only the language that my I'm trained to listen to is the language of their people's symptoms. Mm-hmm. So when people have a thyroid dysfunction, you can have fifty people with thyroid dysfunction, and they each need a different remedy. Right. Because the remedy isn't based on the diagnosis; it's based on the person's story and the symptoms they have. Mm-hmm. And their symptoms, you match them with information that's done, that's, mm-hmm. that we get from proving the remedies on healthy people. So every homeopathic remedy, we have about 5,000 of them, they've all been proven on healthy people. Mm-hmm. So do you remember I was going to tell you about the child that I saw yes. that had the acute appendicitis yeah. and how close I was ready to quit practicing homeopathy? Yes. Four different. I get a call from the ER and they said, hi, Dr. Fry, we have one of your patients here. She's been here since four o'clock in the morning. She has acute appendicitis and she's going to sign out against medical advice. And I said, why? She goes, well, the surgeon who came in to see her at four o'clock in the morning cursed her and her husband because they didn't have health insurance. And she refused to let him touch her. And I thought, smart woman. And she's about ready to sign out. But the hospital legally cannot let her just go out on the street. So I said, well, okay, well, and I'm in the middle of a busy clinic. I said, okay, send her over. So I'm standing in the hallway as she starts to come down. And here she is, the look on her face, 
the whole aura about her was the same as that child I'd seen on the videotape four days before. No way. Holding her belly and she lays down on the table and I didn't even touch her because I gave her, I put one of those little um, baby thermometer strips you put on somebody's um, forehead. uh, forehead. She had a fever like 102 and a half. And she was almost unconscious. She was in such pain. The hospital should have made me come and see her, frankly. They should never have let her leave. Because her appendix was like so close to bursting. And so when I lay her down on the table, I don't even touch her abdomen. I thought, you know what? If I touch her abdomen, I could break her appendix. (laughs) But I said to her, how was the drive over here? She said, oh, oh. She couldn't even talk. Her husband said she was in so much pain. Every bump in the road, she would scream. And I thought, oh, my gosh. This is Bryonia. Well, I had 10 remedies at the time. Now I have a whole homeopathic pharmacy. But at the time, I had 10 remedies. But I happened to have Bryonia 200C. So I said to her and her husband, mostly to her husband, because like I said, she's almost unconscious. She could in such pain. I said, okay, we're going to do an experiment. I said, I'm going to give your, your wife this homeopathic remedy under her tongue. And if I don't see a change in 20 minutes, then I'm going to take you to the operating room myself. I will take out your appendix and you can pay me in chickens for the next 20 years or whatever. And the hospital has to take you because it's an acute, uh, it's an emergency. He's like, okay. So I put the remedy under her tongue and just like that little girl, she falls asleep. So she's asleep on my back table and I'm watching her temperature come down. I'm in between seeing other clients, but I come in like every 20 minutes and I'm watching her temperature drop and her temperature dropped from like 102 and a half to like under a hundred in about an hour. And then she woke up in an hour and a half and I'm like, how do you feel? She goes, wow. She said, not quite so bad. And I, and I said, well, on a scale of one to 10, how was the pain before? She said, like an 11 or a 12. And I said, how is it now? She goes, about a seven. I'm like, all right. I give her another dose of the remedy. She goes back to sleep. And just like Alphonse did with this little girl, I gave her the remedy every hour and a half. And mm-hmm. at six o'clock, I sent her and her husband home with a bottle of Bryonia 200C. And I said to her husband, when she wakes up in the middle of the night, give her another dose and call me. Here's my home phone. It rings next to my beds before we had cell phones. Right. He goes, okay. Sure enough, she wakes up at 2.30. He goes, she's starving. She wants to eat. I'm like, no, no, no. She can have a little clear liquids, but don't give her any food. And I said, give her another dose of the remedy and have her call me in the morning. So I'm in my office at 9 o'clock, 9.15, 9.30. I don't hear from her. I call her house. There's no answer. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm hosed now. So I get this frantic message that says, this is Dr. Fry. You better call me right back. She calls me back like in five minutes. She goes, oh, sorry, Dr. Fry. I was out walking my dog. Oh, my goodness. And to this day, you know, my hand to God, as far as I know, because she moved away, I lost contact with her. But as far as I know, she still has her appendix. I never had to operate on her. Oh, my goodness. And then I thought, okay, you know what? The proof is in the pudding. I need a new teacher. And that's when I, you know, got sick myself. And uh, I'd heard about Vega. And um, I went to see him first as a client. And he gave me a remedy. And I had a miraculous effect right then and there. And then I was like, okay, dude, you're my new teacher. And so I studied, like I said, 15 years I studied with him until he moved to Cyprus. Kathy, I love hearing this background information because I don't think we've gone into this so much, just even us one-on-one, even though we do talk a lot. <laughs> we do. We do. We do. I, even, I, I even talk out loud in yoga class because most people know you're a yoga teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. Most yeah. people know I do both. Well, that's yeah. how I really know you is because um, Kristen is my yoga teacher. 
Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm wondering how you would feel about let's what if we keep this podcast as the intro, the behind the scenes okay. stories of Kathy Fry. And then how about I know that people are gonna want to hear more. And I know specifically that my audience is gonna want to hear some stories of how you how you've used um, homeopathic remedies with thyroid issues. Absolutely, because thyroid is actually one of the most rewarding things to treat as a homeopath. Because yeah, give us a little tidbit of flavor. Okay. Yeah. So when I was an OBGYN, people would come in and they would be on their thyroid medication. And I didn't really manage their thyroid because that was outside of my scope of my practice. I thought, right. okay, there's only so much I can do. And they would go to the endocrinologist, right? The endocrinologist. And periodically they're like, you know, sometimes they would be stable, but then their symptoms would come back. And then they'd have to go up and up and up on the medication. And then they'd have side effects and it would, and it was like all over the planet. Well, once I realized that you could treat the, you could, because when you have a thyroid disorder, it's or thyroid dysfunction, the symptoms that you have are very unique for you. If you take somebody's case really, really closely, you'll find, yes, a lot of people have fatigue when they have uh, low thyroid, mm -hmm. but not everybody has swelling in their hands. Not everybody has swollen ankles. Not everybody mm -hmm. has constipation. Not everybody has hair loss. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's the people on the other side that have hyperthyroid. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I have one client who has both. She has Hashimoto's disease and Graves' disease. And oh, wow. so I, when I took her case, now one thing I don't do is I don't stop people's medication. They stay on their thyroid medication. And then as you give them the remedy, which begins to work on the vital force, then you have to follow their thyroid levels because eventually they'll be on too much thyroid and you have to back them down as the remedy begins to restore their thyroid function. Right. And then eventually you get to the point where they can be off their thyroid medication unless they've had their thyroid removed or irradiated. Then that's a different kettle of fish. You know what I think people are going to like about that is that I think so many um, thyroid type clients get really frustrated that it seems like there's this whole blanket of symptoms and everything kind of points back to the thyroid. And I think that on some level, um, it tends to feel like it's not a one-on-one -on -one case or it's not unique. And so I think that this perspective that you just shared where it's like, look, you know, 10 people could be in the room and they all have a thyroid disorder and they're all likely to be on a different remedy based on right. their their symptomatology, their history. And sometimes it changes in the course of, you know, you'll have somebody on a remedy for two or three years, they start coming down off their thyroid medicine, and then all of a sudden they get a new symptom. Right. And you think, ah, okay, and then sometimes you have to either add a remedy or they're done with that one and you have to switch to the other. So the two ones that come mostly to mind is thyroidinum, which is a homeopathic remedy that's made from thyroid. But the way homeopathic remedies are made is they're diluted and succussed in a way that they only work energetically. We can get into that next time because that's a little complicated. And then the other remedy is iodium, which is made from iodine. But uh -huh. it's homeopathic because homeopathic remedies work on the energy of a substance. You right. capture the energetic healing properties that's, that's present in everything God created. Right, right. Oh, and that's next time maybe we can... Um, maybe I can show you, I don't know how I'm going to show you on my computer while I'm on my computer, but maybe I'll come to your house and I'll, we can show you, I can show you how we take a case. Maybe that, maybe that's how we can do it. Yeah. So show you a case I've taken of somebody with thyroid, how you figure out what, 
you know, what they, what remedy they need. It's really fun. It's like solving a big jigsaw puzzle. And then when you give the people the remedy and they're like, Oh my God, I feel so great. You're like, thank you very much. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. It's really fun. So now if people want to get in touch with you, Kathy, where do they go? Oh, I have a website. So my website is uh, Dr. Dr. Kathy, K-A-T-H-I, Fry, F-R-Y.com. DrKathyFry.com. And shoot me an email if you want at info at Dr. Kathy Fry. Um, And so I have information on there. I offer, you know, 20 minute free consultations for people if they want to just chat with me about how we can help them. You can also get get my book. And uh, I also have, you know, remedy kits for people that, uh, oh, I just in the process of putting together this video series to teach people how to use these remedies with a home kit where they get 20 remedies for, I'm really on a mission to teach moms and dads how to use remedies instead of having to give their kids Tylenol, allergy medicine, antibiotics, you know, all that stuff. That is so fabulous. And Kathy, I think um, that your Vitality book in particular would be really helpful for the people listening to this podcast. I think so, because it just explains how homeopathy works. It tells a little bit about my story, but mostly it also has stories in here from my patients, my clientele. So it's just a little short read. I meant it to be like a big pamphlet, but it kind of morphed into a book. But <laughs> it exploded. <laughs> right? Oh, that's great. So um, if you want to reach uh, Dr. Kathy Fry, you can check her out again. Just remind us that website, Kathy. Dr. Dr. Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-F-R-Y.com. DrKathyFry.com. And if you spell Kathy with a Y, it'll still come up. Google knows me. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Google knows everyone. <laughs> that's so great. And I'm so pleased to let you all know that I'm actually starting my ebook library. And so you can book either a um, Skype consult with me or an in-person consult at kristensavory.com. And now you can peruse my website and check out the ebook library that's coming. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. I don't know how you do all the things that you do, Kristen. You just, I'm in awe of you. I think that goes both ways, Kathy. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. And we are definitely going to have you back, um, Kathy. And we'll go over some more of this in-depth piece on homeopathics and thyroid. And it's very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, my pleasure. You can tell I'm I'm not too excited about it. (laughs) I know, right? No passion whatsoever. No passion there. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Kristen. Thank you, dear. I'll see you in the morning, bright and early. Sounds good.